Meanwhile, Israel has now released the names of the Israeli citizens among those hostages freed today, ranging in age from 85 to just four years old. Doran Katz Asher, Raz Asher, Aviv Asher, Daniel Aloni, Amelia Aloni, Ruth Munder, Karen Munder, Ohad Munder, Adina Moshe, Agar Botach, Veladim Ofri, Bat Esser, Yuval Ben Shmone, Oria Ben Arbavachetzi, Avigail Idan, Bat Shalosh, Kfar Aza, Ilevacham, Sharon Aloni Konyo, Veateomot, Emma, Veyuli, Not Shalosh, Abba David, it never feels good to have to make a deal with the devil. Over the past few weeks, the discourse surrounding a hostage deal has taken center stage in Israel, permeating political debates, coffee shop conversations, and Shabbat tables alike. Those in opposition argue vehemently, how can we endorse a ceasefire that jeopardizes the safety of our soldiers? Why release Palestinian prisoners, many of whom are incarcerated for acts of terror? And why engage in negotiations with a group that has established itself as a murderous and sadistic terrorist organization? But regardless of where one stands on this Faustian bargain, one thing is for sure. Every Israeli has been riveted to the news, witnessing the tearful reunions of children with their families after 50 days of unimaginable anguish and the return of elderly women to the embrace of their children. And it's not just Israelis who feel this. As this dramatic saga unfolds, the world has collectively pondered, how would I feel if I were one of those children or one of the parents enduring such an ordeal? Dear listeners, we have embarked on this journey together through seven episodes, delving into the painful yet inspiring stories of October 7th, we've encountered remarkable individuals whose lives have been altered forever. As of today, 51 Israelis have been set free, and among them, we've shared the experiences of 17 of them in these episodes. Today, I'd like to update you on the lives of these individuals whose stories have left a lasting impact on all of us. Let's start with our precious three-year-old Avigail Idan from Kibbutz Kfar Aza. You all remember Avigail's story. On October 7th, her parents, Roe and Smadar, were murdered before her eyes. Her father, Roe, was holding Avigail in his arms when he was killed, while her siblings, Michael and Amelia, watched the tragedy unfold from a closet where they were hiding in the safe room. Their mother, Smadar, was also gunned down in that same room. Covered in her father's blood, Avigail ran toward the house of a neighbor, Avichai Broditz. Avichai rushed her into his so-called safe room where he was hiding with his wife, Hagar, and three of their children, Ofri, who had her 10th birthday in Hamas's captivity and loved playing guitar and listening to rock and roll, Yuval, who was nine and couldn't get enough of playing Minecraft with his friends, and Uriah, who was just four and had a knack for tracking mud across the house while playing with his trucks. Avichai ran to the kibbutz armory to grab a gun to defend his family, but when he returned, his wife, their three children, and Avigail were gone 
Seven weeks later, Abigail spent her fourth birthday in Hamas's captivity. On Sunday, she was finally freed as one of the hostages released in the deal. But she isn't coming back to her home or to her parents. Her parents were both murdered, and her home was one of the destroyed homes that I reluctantly walked through on my visit to Kfar Aza. Avigail's grandfather, Carmel Idan, said that he could not believe his eyes when he first saw pictures of Avigail on her way back to Israel after being released. She was supposed to be released Friday night during phase one, her grandfather said. And we were looking. She's not there. What disappointment. Russian roulette. We were waiting on the second day. And again, Avigail isn't there. We couldn't believe it. Finally, Avigail was released on Sunday, day three. Her grandfather, Carmel, said he has an open wound that will never heal with the murders of Smadar and Roe. Carmel has not yet been allowed to speak to his granddaughter. But asked what he'll say when he sees her, he said, I won't say anything. I'll kiss her, stroke her, hug her. Speak? No. There's nothing to say. For 50 days since his family was kidnapped, Avichai Brodetz, who ran back to get his gun only to return and find that his family had been taken, has barely slept a night. He started a one-man protest outside the defense ministry in Tel Aviv, which was eventually joined by hundreds of supporters. He embarked on a public media campaign to save his wife and children and Avigail. On Sunday, Avichai Brodetz's nightmare came to an end, and he was reunited with his wife, Hagar, and their three children. But Ofri's guitar and Yuval's Minecraft game were destroyed, and Uria doesn't have a home to track mud through anymore. If you've been listening since the beginning of these episodes, you definitely remember the story of Ohad, his mother Karen, and his grandparents, Avraham and Ruti. We heard Ohad's uncle, Itai, tell their dreadful story of how they were all kidnapped in Kibbutz near Oz on the morning of October 7th, when they were visiting together to celebrate the Simchat Torah holiday. Itai shared that terrible and sad message with us when Ohad turned nine in captivity. Itai and the world breathed a huge sigh of relief on Friday, when we all first saw that video of the adorable, bespectacled Ohad wearing a Spider-Man baseball cap running into his father's arms who had been waiting for him in Israel. His mother Karen and his 78-year-old grandmother Ruti were also released and accompanied Ohad. But his grandfather, Avraham, who Itai told us was quite ill and couldn't walk on his own, still hasn't returned. Despite being close to 80, he is considered to be a soldier by Hamas. And Roi, Avraham and Ruti's son, who was also there to celebrate the holiday with them, was murdered on that day. I reached out to Itai to see if he could update us on how his family is doing right now. And my plan was to include that right here in this podcast. But we ended up having such a wonderful conversation 
that I decided I'm going to release that as a separate episode later this week. For those of you who heard the episode where we caught up with families as they marched from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem to raise awareness, you definitely remember Yoyer Moses. Yoyer shared with us that both his mother, Margalit, who is 77, and his father, Gadi Moses, who is almost 80, were both taken captive from their homes in Niroz. He told us how his mother, Margalit, loved to knit and had just started a project knitting hats for premature babies in the hospital. He described his father, Gadi, as a man of the earth, who had been working in agriculture for over 60 years. On Friday, Yoir was reunited with his mother as she was released with the first round of hostages. But his father, Gadi, remains in captivity and is also considered to be a soldier by Hamas. I was able to reach Yair by phone today to ask him how his mother is doing. Hello? Yair? Yes? Hi Yair, it's David. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? I am, I am good. I, uh, thanks for taking my call. I, I have been following the news as all of us have, obviously, and um, we saw the wonderful news about your mother coming home. Of course, uh, you know, the very sad news about your father not yet coming home. Hopefully that'll be soon. But I just, I wanted to check in and, and hear how your mother's feeling and how she's doing and what she's been sharing with, with you and anything you can share with uh, with our listeners who, who heard your story. Okay, sure. Um, well, first, my mother is feeling um, okay, and you know, considering uh, this uh, seven weeks that she was there, and she's uh, talking to us, she's sharing, she's very, very happy, like all of us, that she's back home. And I cannot give you too many details about there because we're asked not to share it because it's very important to, to keep the safety of the people that are still there. Uh, too much information, not about people, not about uh, location, not about anything. We left the hospital today, so it's another huge step forward, which means our health is okay, and, and uh, we, can, uh, we can start to, to rebuild our life. Where, where is she going to go now? It's, it's, a, it's a place, it's a house. We don't share it because we don't want people, you know, to come there. Uh, oh, even, even people yeah. with, uh, with good intentions might come and everything, but uh, we need at least for the first days to give her uh, some quiet and still be disconnected uh, from, the, from everyone. And, and we know people would like to come just for kindness. So we know that. But Tell me a little bit about the reunion when, when you saw her for the first time. Uh, exciting in, in levels you cannot imagine, you know. Uh, it's, uh, we were very, very worried about her health and uh, condition. So first, when he heard she's coming, we were very happy. But because we know we are dealing with a very cruel uh, people from Hamas, and we don't know it's happening until it's happening. 
And also, we don't know what is her condition after so long time. So we are very, very worried. And when she saw, we saw her and she was walking by herself, it was very, very exciting and we were very, very happy. And then we talked and, and, and we saw that she's, she's okay. She's talking, she's sharing. She remember many details she could share with us and with the others. So I don't even know the words to say how happy we are to see that. Yeah, I'm sure it must have been. It must have been incredible. I'm, we're so happy for you, and, and um, you know, I just hope that uh, she can, you can all begin to put your life back together. Like I said, first we need her to be isolated some time and and uh, and um, get together for herself and the family, and only then we'll, we'll start to talk and decide what is the next step. Of course, well, I hope she'll be able to go back to knitting the. The hats for the little the little babies yeah. in the hospital. It's funny you say this because today, um, first yesterday, one of our uh, of, of our family, related family, gave her a, a gift of, of some wool for for knitting, and and today when we arrived, uh, the place we're living, uh, we are, someone talked with her about knitting that many. Many ladies are now knitting uh, hats for the soldiers that are fighting. And she said, I'm sorry, but I'm knitting uh, for the pre-bronze baby. So she intends, she intends to continue with it. Yeah. She's staying, staying focused. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. All right. Did you learn anything at all about your father or, or nothing? No, nothing. And, nothing. and this is something that is, is very important for everyone to know that uh, you know, with this uh, deal that we had now with Hamas, and, and we're letting some food and medicine go to, to Gaza, but not, there are also many Israelis in Gaza that are not getting medicines and food. And, and, and Red Cross and UN can and must do much, much more in order for, to, to see them, and so people in Israel will know their situation. Uh, I believe they can put much more pressure on Hamas, to see the Israeli people, uh, especially now when when uh, Israel army is not bombing there, so it's safer for them to to go around and and see, and just said, okay, we got for you some food and medicine. They need to say we can give it to you, but also we need to be, see the status of the Israeli people and make sure they are getting food and medicines too. And even as a first stage, to know who's there, what is the are there. Alive, dead, wounded, sick, we don't know anything. And, and we don't have time anymore. You saw the lady that was released yesterday that she's, she, she might die. She didn't get proper treatment. And, and, and it's something that shouldn't happen. So we must know the, the condition of everyone and how they are. And this is something that is not done enough for sure. I'm sure they can do much more than what they did till now. Well, Yaya, thank you for uh, sharing with us and taking the time. And God bless you and your family and everybody. And um, please, God, your father will come home with, with everybody thank else you. very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Um, take care, my friend. Thank you. All the best. Thank you, David. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now let's go back for a moment to that dreaded pogrom that took place in Kibbutz Be'eri. 
As you recall, our visit there with Shlomi, the Israeli soldier who guided us there with the sensitivity of a seasoned social worker, began at the burnt-out home of Avshalom and Shoshan Haran, which sits just a few feet from the perimeter fence, which is two miles from Gaza. In all these communities, Shlomi explained, the homes closest to the western fence facing Gaza were the first to be attacked and suffered the greatest losses. From these homes, many of the captives were taken and dragged into Gaza. Avshalom and Shoshan were celebrating the Simchat Torah holiday at their home together with their extended family on October 7th when Hamas terrorists penetrated the kibbutz and began their frenzied massacre. All 10 of them huddled together in their safe room, but when the terrorists threw burning tires into their home, it was only a matter of minutes before they had no choice but to open the window to the outside. And at that moment, the terrorists climbed on a chair and entered into the room. Remember how Shlomi pointed out that chair that was still sitting there just outside the window? Initially, all 10 of the family members were thought to be missing. But on October 17th, the family learned that Abshalom's remains had been found on the kibbutz and had been identified. Included in those taken from the Haran house were the family matriarch, Shoshan, who is 67, their daughter, Adi, a 38-year-old psychologist, her husband, Tal, and their two children, Yahel, who is three, and Neveh, who is eight. Avshalom's sister, Sharon Avigdori, a drama therapist who works with people on the autism spectrum, and her 12-year-old daughter, Noam, were also taken. Sunday's wave of released hostages included Shoshan and her daughter, Adi, as well as their two kids, Yahel and Naveh. Remember Naveh's aunt described him as a sunny, bright boy who thinks the world is full of good? Let's hope Naveh can still find good in this world, despite the fact that his father, Tal, was not released and remains in Hamas's captivity, and his grandfather, Avshalom, was murdered on October 7th. Sharon Avigdori and her daughter Noam were also both released. Noam was about to celebrate her bat mitzvah when she was taken. I hope they'll still celebrate it now. The Prime Minister's office released footage of the emotional reunion in the early hours of Sunday morning. Sharon and Noam are seen embracing the father, Chain, and the brother, Omer, after spending 50 days in captivity. Let's listen to that reunion for a moment. In the upcoming series on Kibbutz Beiri, we'll tour a Dead Sea resort turned refugee center with Ya'er Rotem. Ya'er's sister, Raya, and her daughter, Hila, were seized in Be'eri that morning. Hila, thank God, has returned to Israel, but in yet another act of evil and in violation of the transfer agreement, her mother, Raya, is still being held in captivity. We'll hear their story in an upcoming episode. We'll also meet Nir Shani from Be'eri, whose 16-year-old son, Amit, was carted into captivity while tied to two neighbors as his mom and sisters could only sit and watch. 
As of this recording, Amit remains in Hamas's captivity. I hope and pray that by the time I introduce you to Ya'er and Nir, that I will be able to share the news that Raya and Amit are home with their families. If I've done my job well over the last few weeks, then I hope that you feel, as I do, that these people have become a part of us. And although there has been such relief as we watch these families embracing and starting the next chapter of their lives together, if you're like me, then you're still thinking about Din Tesler. Din was that security guard at the Nova Music Festival who was there working with his childhood best friend, Bar Cooperstein. And when the terrorists enter the festival grounds, Din survived by hiding in a bush for eight hours as the terrorists carried out their mass murder. But the 21-year-old Bar, who we saw on a video looking like he was being tortured, he's not home yet. And what about Ziv, that adorable, wise-beyond-his-years 12-year-old who told us about his big brother, Rom Braslavsky, who he just can't wait to hug when he gets home. Considering that Rom is a 19-year-old male, he remains in Gaza, and nobody knows if he's okay. Before I sign off, I feel compelled just to mention one last thing. Keep in mind that part of this deal with the devil that we've been forced to make with Hamas's leader and October 7th mastermind, Yahya Sinwar, includes the release of three Palestinian prisoners being held in Israel for each and every Israeli hostage released. And keep in mind that Sinwar himself was released from an Israeli prison in 2011, one of more than a thousand Palestinians freed in a deal for one Israeli soldier, Gilad Shalit, who was taken hostage by Hamas and held for five years. Because the vast majority of Palestinians being released are women or minors, and all of the Israelis being released are women and minors, many in the global media have lost sight of the fact that these Palestinians have all been convicted or charged of violent crimes. Many terrorists. Among those being released are Sharuk Dwayat, who posted on social media that she wanted to die as a martyr before going and stabbing an Israeli in the head. And Nafuz Hamad, who was found guilty and sentenced to 12 years in prison for stabbing her Jewish neighbor in front of her children. And Raga Abu Kiyas, a Fatah member, who was arrested at the age of 16 in 2021 for opening fire on Jews. Because nobody died in this attack, Kiyas received a lenient sentence of five years and two months and was added to the release list. Sa'adi Abu Adi, who's associated with Hamas, was arrested at the age of 17 in 2023. His charges include opening fire on Jews and throwing rocks. Mara Bekhir, affiliated with Hamas and from East Jerusalem, was arrested in October 2015 at the age of 16 for stabbing a border policeman as she tried to take his weapon. She received an eight and a half year sentence and is now being released to return home to Jerusalem. Ahmed Marzuk, 18, was arrested four months ago, facing charges for assaulting police, arson, possession of weapons, and other offenses. Amani Hashim is 37 
and was arrested in 2016 and charged with inflicting grievous bodily harm while armed with knives and daggers. Walila Khaled is 26 and was arrested last year facing charges of attempted murder and possession of weapons and explosives. An examination of these releases, with a total expected to reach 150 in the first four days and potentially 300 if the ceasefire is extended, reveals that a significant minority committed crimes with potential to cause fatalities and the majority either supported or were directly involved in terror groups. These are not people that are imprisoned for petty crimes or misdemeanors. Many of them are convicted terrorists with Jewish blood on their hands who are being released back inside of Israel. These prisoners were released from Damon prison, Megiddo prison, and Ofer prison, which is a 10-minute drive from my house. This is Israel Take Three, and I'm David Began. Help us to share these stories with the world by subscribing, liking, and sharing this podcast. Thank you, Ellie Margolis, for consulting and for logistical support. And thank you, Adam Margolis, for this musical outro. We will continue to share these stories as things unfold here in Israel.